0: Sure.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of show to v with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Aspen, the show of New York, Las Vegas, wine, wine, wine. Today's guest is Vilma Maziite, de Flores of Domain Select, a fine importer of great spirits and wine. It's a wonderful chat. She's been all over the world, starting with lithuania and ending up here in austin texas is a story of love it's a story of career twists and turns but mostly it's really a narrative on the fine dining piece in austin as one of the founders kind of operators of la vie seeing it recently shuttered is quite a shot to the heart and vilma and i talk about that so i hope you guys enjoy this chat with vilma mazaite de flores
2: insane yeah, a guy it's crazy, literally right? like the minute you know it was a very short trip and the minute i stepped out of the plane i was like oh my god i'm so <laughs> coming like literally i did not even experience the town and i was like i have to come back yeah. for a longer period of oh, time yeah. and uh and it was incredible it surpassed all my expectations my husband is from mexico we're in mexico uh, so, Mexico city oh cool, cool so i am been falling in love with Mexico yeah. from the minute I met him, which we met in Cabo San Lucas. And then he's been showing me a little bit and more and more of Mexico. In in April, we went to Guadalajara. Oh, amazing. Uh, to Tequila, yeah. uh, Guanajuato, San Miguel de Allende. I, every single time I was like more and more and more in, in love.
1: It's a romantic place,
2: isn't it? It is the most romantic place. The food, people. And obviously being with him, I'm really experiencing authentic Mexico. You know, we are not going to like the safest places. You know, in Mexico City, we take subway, we go, you know, we ate tacos at like this Whatever place where we serve tacos till 2 a.m. in the morning, yeah. you know, with like 50 cents and you get like every animal part, you know, from lips <laughs> yeah. to ears to eyes, that yes, type of place. Right. So I've been to really, uh, you know, amazing, amazing places with him. And uh, I but love everything about Mexico.
1: It's it's amazing. It is it is romantic, but because specifically you're out for work, I think, for Mescal, particularly, mm-hmm. right? And we're going out to the Plankes and kind of seeing those guys make the mezcal, is that right?
2: Yeah, so we did um, so this recent trip. So, so the company that I was that I am working for. Yeah. So they uh, import this mezcal. It's called Gracias a Dios. Yeah. With thank the angel, God.
1: is that right? Um, What's, I forgot the logo on it, but it's very very identifiable. It's very identifiable,
2: yeah. like very colorful. Um, you know, label. So it means "Thank God" ah, in, okay. uh, in Spanish. And uh, it's a very very cool project. Pretty much three partners that really started it. They yeah. live in Queretaro, and um, they've been in hospitality and restaurant business. And they kind of decided to partner and do mezcal. And they found this Oscar, literally selling his mezcal
1: yeah.
2: on a street. He didn't, you know, he didn't have any label right. or anything like glass that. Jug, Just a
1: right? Yeah. Exactly.
2: So selling it on a street, and they absolutely fell in love with this product. And, uh, and kind of partnered with Oscar, and Oscar okay. is the most funniest guy, like this chubby, full of life, yeah. and uh, and his his like master mes- mescalero, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, and his product is amazing. So which
1: yeah, yeah. So, would it, they make an espadine for one? Right. They, they make, make
2: an espadine with tabola, tabola, yeah. uh, which is absolutely amazing. Quiche, oh, which is amazing. like my favorite. Do you like?
1: It, do you like the darkness of it? It's very, like very the, grassy. Very thing. grassy. Yeah. Very
2: kind of gamey. Yeah. Um, I like quiche a lot. And so it's a cool story. Um, I think we're going to be importing this into uh, United States because it's a very small production. Mm-hmm. But Oscar, so every year in you know um, in in those small cities, yeah. like Matatlán uh, state, in every small city, um, every year, like the priest, like nominates kind of a godfather that uh, that throws a party to the village. So really? it's a huge honor to have. So apparently, it's a very tradi- you know, yeah, like a yeah, big yeah. tradition. So one year, um, he nominated Oscar to be a godfather. So Oscar threw his party. And apparently, they got super, super drunk and wasted in a church. And, uh, and that's dr-
1: good. That's never okay. That's, that's good that you finally had the <laughs> blessing of the church. Exactly. Like
2: a- so we got completely wasted in a church and drank all the priest's wine. <laughs> and Oscar, being drunk, he decided, you know what? Like, like I make this very smooth mezcal, let's fill those, those bottles with this mezcal. So let's I don't pay know. him
1: back with Mescal.: Exactly, yeah. so yeah. they
2: thought it was a good idea, it was funny. <laughs> so the next day, um, you know, priest called Oscar, or the following day, priest <laughs> called Oscar yeah. and said, do you know what happened? Do, do you know who drank all my wine? Oscar like, no. I have oh, no idea. I have no idea. And he's like, well, if you find out, like I really would love to know because this is the best mezcal I ever had. <laughs> and was like, okay, 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 it was me. But um, what the mezcal was, it was distilled the guava
1: Guava, really?
2: And it was so, like, it had a little bit of sweetness. Yeah. So, he actually labels it right now he, because it was so popular. Uh-huh. And it got such a great review. So, actually, right now, they, they bottle it and label it. It's a very cool pink label. And oh, it says wow. priest wine.
1: So, it's like, it's it's distilled from guava fermentation.
2: Well, it's distilled with agave, or, of okay, course. Okay. But it's, oh, you,
1: is it in the still, like, uh-huh. Pechuga style? Like, mm-hmm. a, like uh-huh. is another exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. they add
2: guava. And oh, then, wow. actually, I brought with me. Um, they, they just made it. Um, just literally, when I was in Oaxaca, they just labeled it. Yeah. Uh, they made a mezcal distilled with mangoes. Oh wow! It's insanely good. It you know, is. you still have like this. You know, it's unmistakably mezcal. It yeah. has that smokiness, and of course, it's you know the whole agave, but it has this like almost. Like amazing sweetness towards the end. Yeah. It's super, super, super. I cool. love that
1: the, that that specific piece, right? So if mm-hmm. you think about gin, for example. Mm-hmm. Lots of combinations. It's kind of the same concept where you make this. Well, base.
2: they make this gracias adios. They make uh, agave gin.
1: Oh, like the botanico? Like, cause that's a that's a type where they they put juniper and other kinds of things. It's it's
2: exactly made like gin, but the base is is mezcal, so and strange. they infuse it with all the like. It's incredible. Yeah. And um, how
1: how does that kind of rustic pine kind of flavor work with agave as the base it works you like magic it? i yeah. mean i
2: love it because well i love agave to begin with yeah, it's like my yeah. favorite it um, can do
1: do no wrong right
2: it could do no wrong so you do have mezcal as the base and you know and kind of like those amazing botanicals and obviously there's juniper in there, but there are a lot of those wild yeah. um, spices that they find in uh, in a country there. So it's all that's wild. Amazing. It's yeah. really amazing. Um, there's I think there's rosemary in there. There's some other, you know, obviously just stuff
1: that grows. That grows rosemary. in, yeah.
2: So and they make gin out of it. So that's crazy. so that's why like I love about these guys that they're like you know they really don't care. They're just like it tastes good. We're yeah. just gonna do it. We're
1: gonna it. do it. That's yeah, good. It if it good. feels good, do it. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just write this song. Let's just do it. Let's yes, get it there. As thank better. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well for everybody to enjoy and that's one of the m- m- amazing things about mezcal is how it has proliferated and there's so many different varietals there's so many different flavors regions mm-hmm. states and it's become an amazing thing for the economy and i i guess the, the people that you're working with do they see it as like all oh, right we've really kind of hit it big time
2: it's amazing actually i mean it was it was my first tri- trip to oaxaca and um and it's it definitely is, I think, a heart of Mexico, and especially yes. after being in, you know, in Guadalajara and being in Tequila mm. um, in April and being in, um, you know, in San Miguel de Allende, it's very, you know, it's not exactly. I mean, it's Mexico beauty, right, right? But the people that are there, it's more, you know, let's say in San Miguel de Allende, there's a lot of foreigners, uh-huh. you know, so it doesn't even feel like, like Mexico anymore. It's very of? European. Then yeah. you go to Oaxaca. Yes. It's a true Mexico, and when you go into the country, oh my God, you see people living like oh my God, it it almost feels like you're hundred, you know, you just traveled hundred years, yeah, back. centuries back, absolutely. And um, obviously, what's happening with mezcal, and I I can't speak for every distillery, of course, but yeah. it was my first introduction, and of course, I was there with gracias a Dios, mm-hmm. and yes, they a lot of you know they're helping people. A lot of money. They, you know, it's a very small distillery. Everything in hand, hands on. Yeah. A lot of um, everyone that they employ, they obviously help them a lot. Um well, it's good to They turn the money to community. Yeah,
1: it's brilliant. I think a lot of times we don't. We're so worried about how much stuff, how the market looks here in the states. So sometimes we don't realize where our dollars really go to help the villages and the plinques and things. And I think there's going to be a lot more of that. As as you have more people embracing mezcal, you'll be able to see like end to end, this I this hope money so. went and this helped, you know.
2: And I hope it doesn't change because there's still this beautiful rusticity there. Yeah, you yeah. know, we saw um, every step of the way how they made this mezcal, mm. and it's actually like the most simplest thing you could witness. It's just pure agave, and yeah. that's it. And you, well, you
1: and you smash it up with some kind of axe sometimes or you use a shredder you know whatever but, but you're right it's just this thing that's it you heat it up and you crack you beat the shit out of it yes <laughs> and you put some water in it and then you let it do its thing it's yeah. impressive how simple it is work it's so dip- much
2: work That's it's right, a labor yeah. just you know the whole like every step just because it's all hands-on mm-hmm. they you know kind of you hear about it like the horse and slashing. Right, and yes they still use that i actually took the pictures like every step of the way how they make it and it's pretty incredible but so labor and you know yeah. in, in intense for well, just
1: a little bit it's
2: crazy it it's really really crazy but it's amazing and i really hope it doesn't change i really hope it's hard factors to say don't go there
1: yeah i think that that you know that's always the argument or rather that's always the dichotomy as the segment keeps growing is that one there's the scarcity piece they're not replanting most of this stuff is wild and you know there's totally not a wild yeah not a long-term plan to re- to cultivate although people are doing that absolutely mm-hmm. and then you know you have well if there's m- enough money in it like a shark to blood in the water, you're going to have big companies come in as they're, you know, there's a couple already. Mm-hmm. And, and they could deform the market. But I, I think that it's got to even out first with even all of the very, very small producers first because there's so many great ones. You know, so many good skews of Mescal, especially in Texas, you know. So I think that's got to kind of s- steady out first and then maybe the big money will come in and make it something that maybe it shouldn't be. Well, yeah, I
2: just really hope it doesn't doesn't change. It doesn't look like it just because the way it's all set up yeah. and this that it's kind of remote. There's no big major city around. Like for example, you know, when you go to Tequila, you have Guadalajara just mm-hmm. half an hour away. Um, it's the infrastructure is so much better set up yeah, already yeah. Um, over there. It probably would take you know a very long time to probably get there if someone would want it.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
2: really hope, you know, it still remains the way it is because there's so much charm, it's incredible, so much soul, people, I mean, they put their hearts out, you know, so we had this, um, so the reason why we kind of went was obviously to visit uh, Gracias a Dios, but every year, Gracias a Dios, we throw this party. And um, Were
1: you the godfather this time? <laughs>
2: uh, no, it was not. A, it was just they actually celebrating mole. Oh, okay. So a lot of like women yeah. around, you know, area, they get together, um, you know, at, the, at this, yeah. you know, mescaleria and they make six different moles. So each of oh, them make different mole. There's green mole, red mole, yellow mole, black mole. So Oscar's mom oh, makes this black mole. It takes 53 days to make
1: it does it like sit and ferment and those kinds of
2: things that's
1: incredible days
2: i was like you know i don't know i i kind of want to quit my job and then (laughs) go and spend those 53 days with her and just watch every step of the way how to make it and it was you know it was not obviously a competition yeah yeah. Uh, i loved the green mole um very much it was very very spicy but her her mole by far it was was, oh my god it was insane it was had you
1: had it before no,
2: I mean, I had black mole before. Sure, but not,
1: not her. Not her
2: mole, no. no. It, was, it was incredible. I wanted to cry. That is, that is so like, amazing.
1: you know, each genre of cuisine kind of has their thing, right? So I always think of ramen, that mm-hmm. broth that takes days. days it takes the mincing of the mm-hmm. fat and the mm-hmm. salt and all of that. It, the mole is, is what I think Mexican cuisine has, that piece where it's like it takes time, it's complex, and you can't speed it up. It just takes so much into, like insight and intensity. And 53 days. Yeah, I can't imagine how many ingredients are in it either. It's I'm sure inc- there's plenty. I have
2: no idea. And, you know, we go you know, to this kitchen. It's like outside. And it's like big pots. And yeah. all these women are cooking. And everyone is so happy. And it's, you know, it's just so rustic. And, and everyone's just so happy. Yeah. It's food. It's a party everyone was dancing you know his mom was dancing i don't know it's just it's just incredible well it's
1: a nice contrast sometimes to what we see here in the states you know oh absolutely because you kind of insulated a little bit more when you're out in the middle it takes so
2: much to make someone happy here
1: yeah oh my gosh it's (laughs) totally true well so then this kind of brings a question which is not related at all to you being happy you seem very jovial very glad to be here which i really appreciate but Where does this all start for you? I, you know, I do a little bit of research Mm from what I can. And there's some information out there, which is good. I have a little bit of idea. But I suppose this all started in Lithuania. Is that right?
2: I was born and raised in Lithuania. I got a green card um, through lottery. uh, Oh, really? Kind of very, I guess, lucky because a lot of people try very hard to get it.
1: Do you have any idea roughly like maybe a year how many people are able to to get those green? To be sets?
2: honest, I really have no idea. Yeah. I was just really lucky, I guess. And it's kind of funny because it was not like a huge goal and really? it happened and it was great. And um, so I was coming to United States when I was during college.
1: Uh, uh, I would, 18, 20, something like that. 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I think like 17 was my first year or 18, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would spend the summer in the United States and it would be different parts of United States, whatever kind of the wind <laughs> got me <laughs> yeah. to. And, uh, and I worked in restaurants because that was always kind of easy Could to get, get a the job. job. Right? Yeah. And uh, so I started with, you know, being a bus girl and then a hostess and then I got promoted to the server and I have lots of funny experiences because my English was really broken and then all the... Terminology and all yeah. the, you know. I remember working my first summer in a restaurant, and I'm like, would go to the pass, and I'm like, oh my god, what is Ruben? I didn't even know that's <laughs> a sandwich. You know,
1: look, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just really. Where kind was of this funny. in Texas? Was this in New no, York? No, it was
2: uh, never really in Texas. It was different places. My first summer, I think, it was in Wisconsin, Dells. Really don't judge no it no was, um, amazing cheese curds it I was love cheese <laughs> it was myrtle beach oh it was, that's amazing um, too yeah. mm-hmm, Gatlinburg, tennessee um so yeah so we're like different random places reno nevada um, and then after college i had to make a decision because i had to go back to united states and spend you know x amount of uh, months or at least a year mm-hmm. um to renew my green cards oh, so so after college, I studied journalism. Okay, okay. And
1: well, that that explains some of the worldliness, right? The inquisitive <laughs> nature, I think.
2: Um, just curiosity, yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> and uh, so after college, I decided to... I had a job lined up and everything, so the plan was always to come back. Yeah. But after college, I decided to move and spend a year in the United States. And I think I was very always very lucky being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. So I got back to Reno because that was the last um, place that I was prior. Do, do
1: you like the small town Reno? I've been there. No,
2: I hated it. Um, <laughs> I think
1: that's where Johnny Cash killed the guy to watch him die.
2: Oh, it's, um, I life. think I, yeah, I can totally see that happening. It's very depressing. <laughs> and, um, but I, it was, you know, it was the right place for me to be. Um, I got a job actually managing a place and then the person who hired me, had a lot of contacts in Vegas because, like, mm. you know, this is, like, not a town for you. You're not happy. Why don't you go to Vegas? and yeah. have a friend that can get your job in a minute. So I was like, you know what? Vegas sounds good. So after six months being there, I moved to Vegas and got a job at MGM Grand. Oh, man. I was actually managing a buffet, which
1: is... Great. Really? I
2: didn't even understand the concept. Yeah. It was kind of funny.
1: Because buffets, there's something very Western right like to just gorge yourself with food till you it was can't walk horrible. out horrible
2: and it was like the busiest buffet in the whole world i think we had oh, like man. five thousand people a day Holy it was Christ, yes insane. it was ridiculous but i was there and wine was always something that i was very curious about yeah. i always enjoy drinking wine i know lithuania is not a wine country it was more vodka and beer yeah but I always I didn't like like the how I liked the taste of a beer, but I didn't like how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. you know the girls like yeah, bloated. bloated, and stuff. Yeah. And then vodka it just was not my thing. And uh, so I always was gravi- you know I always gravitate towards wine. When I was MGM, um, Kim Bader was a uh, beverage director, so he kind of saw my curiosity, so I would start going to some wine classes. And then Michael Mina was opening a restaurant. Oh, okay. Um, Rajapar was his wine director and um, he kind of noticed me and they said like, oh, she's European, she knows wine. So he hired- Which is
1: funny given that as you said, not really, right? Not really.
2: (laughs) So, but I, you know, I kind of pretended, oh yes, of course I grew up on wine. (laughs) And um, so Raj hired me as his assistant for a new opening of a restaurant. So I was extremely fortunate. So I'm forever grateful for him and um so yeah so after that i think was the rest was the history it was my my passion i think i devoted myself to that yeah. i was so curious to learn and of course working with raj opened a lot of doors for me
1: a lot of uh, relationships and other kinds of contacts and stuff yeah
2: i traveled in europe and did a harvest in santa barbara with jim clendenin wow. um so yeah it well so when
1: it, what was the moment where because i think about this too we a lot of people go to school for one thing Mm -hmm. And then they go, they do a completely other thing. Exactly. So what was the point in which you're saying, well, had you intended to kind of return to journalism at some point and then these opportunities just kept opening doors and then you couldn't look back?
2: I mean, I enjoy journalism, but, you know, journalism is, it's a lot of bullshit, you know? So you kind of have to find, uh, so you study everything Mm -hmm. but nothing at the same time. Interesting.
1: Jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing?
2: Exactly. I mean, with journalism, you touch you know if you touch politics you touch economics you touch everything but nothing too deep right, so right. to become a good journalist you have to become specialist of something yeah so you have to ah, choose okay. um so you have to choose the field it's like okay i'm going to be a journalist of politics so yeah. you really dive yourself into politics or like you know economics are my thing so right, you right. really study everything and you write about it and you watch the trends you know or you can become food critic or sure. food journalist so I don't know. Like food was always my thing. Traveling was always my thing. Was
1: it, was it like something that you grew up with? I mean, so a lot of people I meet, including myself, my mom was very, very growing up in San Francisco mm-hmm. during the hippie era and stuff. She was always open to trying new food and it just always piqued my interest. I mean, was that how it was for you back when you were in Lithuania?
2: It's funny. I don't know, really. It's like everyone laughs because I love food so much. Yeah. Like even like I remember my servers always said like, Vilma, do you come from a really big family? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I would eat so much. Right, and right. I just really, I like enjoy food. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I did not starve. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know.
2: But um, I mean, we, I, I always love to travel. Yeah. Um, you know, Lithuania was part of Soviet Union mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Oh, okay. So we actually could not even go to Europe for, you know, until it really became independent, which was in 1990. Yeah. But we traveled a lot. My parents, we would actually took a lot of road trips. We would go to a lot of places in Russia, mm-hmm. like Ukraine, and spend a lot of time in Yalta by the Black Sea. Oh. And I don't know, like my parents are from both different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is um, a Russian, but actually a Jew. Um, they moved to Israel um, 12 years ago, so they live really? in Israel. So I think, I don't know, being maybe... Uh, it's you know, multicultural, right? Multicultural. Like, so, so much
1: richness of the past and the heritage and things. I think that even if it isn't totally in our face, that it, start, it bubbles up. You know, It's like, wait, I wonder, why do I like London so much? I just think this to myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I found out I'm English. Well, this all kind of makes some sense, you know? And I don't know. There's like this hereditary thing that's it, it, beyond academic interest and in things it's just in our literally in our butt and so maybe I that's what it so. is you know the traveling the eating the because i
2: love the, the spicy food i love spiciness really? so much which is obviously not lithuanian that's not a, at all that, yeah it's not a european so thing bland, though. you know it's like lithuanian food is like a bunch of potatoes and meat yeah and, um i mean it's still a very good food and sure, i miss sure. it a lot of but it it's but it's not uh, spicy but it's not spicy not mole I love spicy food and actually Mediterranean food is one of my favorites and yeah. you know someone I go to visit my family which they you know my sister actually lives in Zurich Oh wow! and my parents in yeah very close to Tamabin. You have Beach. great excuses
1: <laughs> to traverse the globe. There's nothing standing in your way. Well I have to go. I've got to go to Zurich. I have I've to. I've got go. to visit my family. Yeah obviously.
2: and I love Israel so much. I love the food. Yeah. The culture people it's very warm um so yeah so i think you know you're right maybe certain things are in a blood i even in lithuania i felt you know it was just not enough i wanted
0: yeah
2: i don't know if was like i was always my body was itching yeah. and i don't know why but i kind of needed i think to leave but back then i obviously did not understand i you know i just i i just wanted to go yeah <laughs> just,
1: where, wherever, just wherever just whatever anywhere but here right I think that's a pretty common thing, you know. I I always love contrasting people that grow up in America and grow up in the States and never move. They Mm -hmm. stay in the same place their whole life. And then I speak to people like yourself where they have this rich history of traveling and they're like, I can't stay here. And I, I don't know. I think maybe other parts of the world, maybe they encourage that more. Maybe they want you to get out there and be a jet setter. Whereas if we're just so comfortable in the States, you know. You talk about this is the buffet is a perfect example. <laughs> it is a nice, very cliff notes, right? You mm-hmm. could have any kind of food you want from any type of cuisine around the globe in one place for one price. and You could sit down and eat for as long as you want. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Does it wear you down? Did it wear you down? Like just kind of being in this transactional, people just. I mean, honestly, man, that Vegas Strip, MGM's a nice place too, but. It's got to tire you down.
2: Well, I hated Vegas actually. I really did not like the culture. Of course I actually back when I was living in Vegas, when I look back right now, it was economy was booming. So yeah. it was from 2001
1: to 2005. Per, right, perfect. It was yeah. the
2: perfect timing. Um and being as a sommelier, I mean, oh my god, I opened the most incredible bottles of wine. Mm. Like every night, like ridiculous. Crystal was pouring like water. Like we um You know, with poker players Mm -hmm. and all the high rollers would come in and would just like literally would open a list and, you know, like, I don't care. Just bring me your most expensive bottle. I mean, it was amazing time to be in Vegas. You know, I was very young. I was making tons of cash. It, It was incredible. I, I bought an apartment which of wow. course went belly yeah. up <laughs> <laughs> like two years later you yeah. know learned the hard way yeah but you know it was uh it was great for me i was like driving convertible i was living you know incredible you were life. living
1: the american dream
2: i was living the american yeah. dream but i hated the culture in vegas yeah. of course and then uh, and i had an amazing opportunity i actually met mario batali and joe bastanich oh, when wow, i was in yes. vegas and they um, had oh we have you know, if you have an opportunity in New York, would you be interested? I was like, oh, my God. And I moved to New York. So I was in New York for maybe two and a half years. So I worked at their flagship, oh, yeah, Babo, yeah. Uh, which is definitely an institution. Sure. And they've all the Italian wine list. So it was another great, um, incredible experience.
1: Did you like, because you talk about two completely different paces. Now, mm-hmm. Vegas is fast in a way, right? In a way, but in, it, but in kind way. of a superficial way. It's people needing to consume things, mm-hmm. spend a lot of money, drink a lot. Whereas in New York, you're just trying to survive. You got to get to the places quickly. It's a different kind of thing. It's out of necessity in a way. Did, th- did that appeal to you more, that kind of pace there?
2: I had a love and hate relationship in New York it was, you know, moments that I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I was like, my God, there's nothing like it, which is true. There's nothing like it. It's it's a melting pot of cultures. Yeah. It's incredible. The food scene is incredible.
1: Wine. I've fl- I've, Wine
2: yeah. is incredible. The experience was wonderful. Would um, I live there? It was not easy. Yeah. I lived in Brooklyn. I had actually a good place. Uh, my pastry chef was moving to Italy, so I was able to get oh, her apartment amazing, in Brooklyn yeah. So it all worked out. It was right next to the subway. So my commute Perfect. was super, super easy. But the moments when you're like trying to go grocery shopping yeah. and with like six different bags, trying to get into the subway. And um, especially coming from Vegas where I had everything so comfortable. I yeah. had beautiful car and apartment was like you know set up like wash and dry i mean a lot of things were to take for granted
0: Absolutely, you know in New York, yeah. i mean
2: i did not have that so i had to go across the street do all my laundry yeah and um, a lot of little things that were great at that time um but i was getting kind of like
1: it was wearing me down it was
2: wearing me down i was yeah. like i kind of would love to live a little
1: bit more um comfortable yeah
2: and um um uh, and Aspen came up. I had an Aspen. amazing opportunity to move. Do you, to you Aspen. have a
1: book coming out at some point? Because these are these are like brilliant places. They're epicenters amazing of culture, places. but in totally different ways. There is mm-hmm. no Vegas is as similar to New York as El Paso is to Portland. You know what I mean? Like they're <laughs> t- completely different paces of life and everything. But
2: you would be surprised actually yeah. how many the same people I oh, took care of. Interesting. Um, I had a lot of people from New York um, at the restaurant where I worked yeah. in, um, in in Vegas. And, uh, and the same was actually in Aspen. It was so okay. funny. I was in i remember one week i was in new york like my last week in new york and then i was in aspen and i was like the same people that i took care of a week ago i was like what are you doing here i'm like well Well, i
1: stand corrected wow i kind of moved (laughs) that's incredible
2: (laughs) so it's um i think like most places menu at a certain level um, in a hospitality, which yeah. I've always was fortunate that I was able to jump into really high league with some really amazing chefs. Absolutely. Um, so it kind of becomes very small. Um, the play and tell is. That's kind of you're small.
1: right. This, this mm-hmm. circle the circle becomes smaller mm-hmm. and smaller, mm-hmm. and I th- you, you probably see this now. Where it's like oh well, now I know bar owners, mm-hmm. and then of the ones that I talk to all the time because they're engaged in their business really really heavily it shrinks, shrinks, it shrinks. It shrinks, but. It is a wonderful, great industry to have those kinds of connections and have a social circle in a sense. Oh, there.
2: absolutely! It's incredible. It's um, I have friends from all over the country, so yeah. I can go to Chicago. I can see friends. I can go to San Francisco. I love it. I really love it. But did yeah. you like?
1: Did you like the weather in aspect? I love Colorado. It's beautiful. I love oh, the Rocky, I loved Rocky Mountains. I love it so
2: much. Yeah. I honestly, um, I can totally see how people get stuck there. Yeah. You know, you would see. I don't know how. Um, how old bartender, you know, but still does yeah, the same yeah. thing year to year. Like skis, you travel, you have seasons, you go, you take like two months off and yeah. travel the world. And it's a vicious circle, but it's a wonderful circle. <laughs> it's not real life, obviously. That's a, it's that is not a good a reality. point. Yeah. It's not a reality, but it was wonderful. I had like really, I think the best years of my life because it was a good career moment yeah. and it's a good personal life. I mean, I was not... I was not dating. It yeah. was not that way. It was just the, very the, the healthy. Age of all, right? I had the best girlfriends. Yeah. Um, the best weather. And obviously, for me, having a family so abroad and so scarce. Mm. I kind of need time off to go and visit, Yeah, which was very hard to do in New York. You take a week off and, of course, everyone gives you, a, you know, evil eye when you come back Absolutely, because everyone right. works extra for you. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like you have someone to replace you I, in Aspen, the restaurant would close, so you just... No problem, no hurt no feelings. Problem at all. no problem, yeah. no hurt feelings to go for a month, or it would be super slow. Um, so it was incredible to have that luxury to go oh. see my family, plus Amazing. take a vacation. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's incredible. And the, the, just being there in the Rocky Mountains is just, just lush and beautiful, the snow. I, can be a double-edged sword sometimes it's a hindrance but sometimes it's just so beautiful you know I lived in Salt Lake City for mm-hmm. a while and I loved we would go skiing every weekend you know? yes I would ski all my days off my I apartment
2: actually was literally five minutes away from gondola oh, so wow. I literally put my ski boots and then just go to the gondola like it's five minutes away That's cr- it was incredible amazing. so yeah. being on vacation you know kind of every every day of course very small, you get to know everyone. Yeah. You get a little bit of a cabin fever. But then you go away for two months. It's and then you're playing or a month. And then you're playing lands in the most beautiful place on earth. Yeah. Even if you went to the most beautiful place somewhere. Still better. You come back. Yeah, yeah. Not better, but you come back right. to still the most amazing place on earth. Um, maybe different. Yeah. You miss the ocean. I miss yeah, the ocean. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. I would go to see some water and you come back to this amazing view. Best mountains ever. But yes, it gets, you know, I knew that that can, you know, if you are slightly ambitious, it's hard. So you either take the job that you're in and you're satisfied maybe for the rest of your life yeah. and, you know, and you enjoy it to the fullest and you don't want anything else. But if you are ambitious, it's hard. There's not that many other choices.
1: When did that become too much the ambition say i need to make the how many years was that
2: i was there for three and a half and i was you know and i was not really looking to leave it was still kind of good right um i got promotion at work so i was i was still very satisfied and motivated but i got amazing opportunity i met uh, one of my guests actually he was coming to the restaurant um at a little Nell, and he had an ambition to open a restaurant in austin Mm. And he needed some help. And um, uh, pretty much he took me on, on his journey, which was incredible because the restaurant was really from ground up. Yeah. And is then this I, the one I think it is? Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So,
2: um, so we opened La Vie, so it took two years to, um, to build it. Yeah. So when I first moved here, it was still a gas station, still everything in blueprints. Um, so we kind of started from scratch from concept development. Did you to... like
1: being engaged in that side of the business? Too? Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. It was the most incredible experience. Um, but it's like
1: you you have to do this with me. like you are you get it like I need your input to make this thing happen. So was, your heart's in it.
2: It was incredible. Yes, yeah. my heart was in it, of course, and uh, it was an incredible experience. So not only building a wine, but obviously, uh, the project yeah. so from ground up it's there's so many things for going to opening a restaurant that sometimes people don't realize from you know concept development to you know everything obviously Absolutely. the budgets and well the
1: aesthetic that. the build-out mm-hmm. like all of these things did you guys built this place from scratch from start? scratch yeah it I mean, was a gas station
2: prior yes and unfortunately closed in January yeah um, happen you know you think you might have the right formula but a lot oh, it's of other so things, it's especially, so hard
1: especially right now in austin with a lot of wonderful concepts but much like portland which was kind of slightly mm-hmm. ahead of us whether it's distilleries or restaurants it, there is a point where it shakes out and things that sustain sustain and yeah. i don't you know i think the part of that is everybody's low attention span or really short attention span And they don't have these places because Austin is relatively sprawled out. There are neighborhoods, but you go all over the place. So there's not like the neighborhood spot that you always go to. Same thing with bars. There's very few that are like in a neighborhood and people always go there. But that being said, you having invested a lot of time, a lot of emotion into it, like how did you feel about your career and just what kind of state were you in at that point where it it shut down? It It was a really big shock to a lot of people, including myself. I was like, what really okay
2: i was um you know i'm not gonna lie of course i was shaken in a way i uh, i think a, a lot of times in life i think most of the time in our lives that we are put in a certain position i think for a reason maybe you never know the reason at that moment You're right, you'll find yeah. out later but um but obviously i you know i did not know what i did not think what my next step uh should be yeah um, I took time off.
1: Did you want to stay in Austin though? Had you well, we bought kind of the of a house. house? Ah. when did you meet your your husband then? In this whole kind of timeline.
2: <laughs> exactly. So um, I, I met... suspect
1: that's the reason that you're talking. Yeah.
2: Well, I met my husband briefly actually in Aspen in 2010. Mm. We took a wine exam together. Okay. And um, so it was yeah. So I was living in Aspen and he was coming to take an exam. Yeah. So we met very briefly, just hi bye. I was so focused on taking my exam. So you didn't know anything so, yet. Oh no, 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 not at all. I mean, you know, he was very nice, and you know, but I don't even remember our interactions yeah. that well. But obviously, when you meet someone, you kind of friend them on a Facebook, sure. and we kind of, I guess, stayed friends on a Facebook. And um, and then one day, he just three years later, I think he texted me or sent a message on a Facebook, yeah. like "Hola" from Mexico. And I'm like, okay, hola. and uh, so we kind of exchange, you know, a few few sentences, and he's like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm doing this festival in Cabo San Lucas, it's food and wine festival. Mm-hmm. I could use a hand. You should come. And um Is at that, that time, was it strange
1: to you at that point? Or is it like, oh professional stuff. Of course I'm smart and they would want me to be there, right? Well of course
2: not. <laughs> of course I knew I was like hey, uh, you know, because this good looking guy yeah. and blah blah blah. Nothing and, to lose. You know, exactly. Yeah. So and my restaurant, uh, the Laviv opening was actually delayed and and I really was in between. I I had time, so yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go because I think it's gonna be my Really, last you know, kind of stretch before uh, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, and I really went with uh, intentions to have an amazing weekend, <laughs> and um, really no expectations. I didn't know this guy, and he um, completely surprised me. Wow. He was a German. He was kind, funny, worldly. Yeah, um, he has lived in France. He spoke fluent French i am um, incredibly... already fallen for him just from sitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was incredibly talented, smart. You know, he knows way more about tequila and mezcal than I do. And he traveled the world from wine as well. Yeah. So had a lot of things in common. And of course, uh, chemistry and everything. And uh, everything happened really fast. We had um, six dates, mm-hmm. which six weekends yeah, because it's yeah, yeah. long distance. Over a period of seven months after that. And um, and then he came on, I think, on a seven date, on a seven trip with a ring. <laughs> oh,
1: my gosh. That's beautiful.
2: So, yeah. So, he, he came for three days to Austin, proposed, <laughs> went back to Cabo, oh, packed his bags, yeah. literally quit his job two months, and two months later, he moved. That's incredible. And uh, it's been two years now, and it's been wonderful. We just got married in January. Oh, brilliant. In Cabo San Lucas. Congratulations! And, uh, that's thank wonderful, you. and he's really incredible. So yeah. amazing guy. Obviously, he helped me a lot through the whole transition.
1: Isn't it? Is it, I think that a lot of people in this industry don't realize, but because it's so fast-paced, sometimes it's so party-centric, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but having that wonderful foundation built in you know, I don't want to get sappy, but my my wife helps me be sane. It helps me not fall into the lifestyle. You know what I mean? Because it's it's much it's always a better option. Oh well I could always the guys from Baba Bar in town, they want to mm-hmm. go out and drink all night. Like but it's always better to not do that and to spend that quality time and like you know what I mean? It's always very centering.
2: Oh, I mean amazing. And I think we both um so he was single for, for forever. I was single actually forever. Yeah. I mean I had relationships but sure, never sure. long relationships. Yeah, you know, I moved so much. So yeah. I mean, I moved for my career, so that was always my goal. Of course, I would lie if I would say, like, I didn't want to, to meet someone. Yeah, of course. You always do. Well, but it's just, it's just it's
1: a nice to have a good career and a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Who would not want both of those if, things? It's yeah. just hard to it's, do both. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, yeah, and then uh, he completely, I think, came in my life. I thought at the worst time. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was opening the restaurant. I was really very stressed. But I think was Godsend because he helped me a lot through mm-hmm. you know the whole stress of the restaurant. It was, it was stressful because it was a lot of uh, high expectations. Absolutely, I think from a public and yeah and my owner and it was just a lot and of-
1: yourself too. I'm sure, right? It's first time you've opened a restaurant, right? Like yes. actually had your hands mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. yeah,
2: so it was a lot of I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and obviously I'm a perfectionist and just a lot of things that it was just extremely stressful for me to deal. Yeah. So he helped me a lot. So when La Vie obviously closed, it was great because I had the support, so I took actually time off. Did, you, did
1: you have a clear idea what you wanted to do? No. Or just taking that time off, it's like, I would like to travel and clear my head and figure out. Exactly. It's almost
2: nap. kind of cleaning my system. Yeah. So I uh, I, still don't know if I'm on the right track or not. It's just uh, this job actually fell on my, on my lap. I was... I knew this importer for quite some time just because... Domain Select, is it? Domain right? Select. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the owner of the company helped me with some wines, of and I used to buy those wines for many years. Actually, I did Domain Select trip when I was still living in Vegas no with kidding. some of the brands many so, years ago.
1: So you touched on it just a little bit, but then it circles back around. It's like, amazing. You never know. You yeah. never
2: know. So, so yeah, so this kind of, you know, they were looking for, I actually emailed Paolo, just saying, hey, just wanted to let you know, thank you so much with all your help with Lavi, just wanted to let you know Lavi closed. And, uh, and, you know, and just kind of like just mention it that I'm, you know, I'm open, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know what my next step would be. It's like, oh, my God, we need someone in Texas and that's how it all kind of started so when did, when
1: did you kind of start in may in may Oh, mm-hmm. good. okay so a few months in
2: few months in so
1: did you like do you like being like in this side of the business which is a, the other side of the business now, this is
2: the first time yeah. i'm on this side of the business um so far um it's new yeah and again i have this personality that i'm always very curious and mm-hmm. i love challenge so it's a nice challenge um i'm not as stressed as you know, I was in a restaurant. It's the, so much... Good point, yeah. Um, obviously, there's always stress. You know, you have to meet the numbers. And right, but it's like not... It,
1: the company will still go on if you don't meet your numbers. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's a little bit less at stake. Not not to say that you won't do a wonderful job, but when the doors close on something, that's a heartbreak. You know, it's the end of a massive relationship yeah. or something. It's a little bit different.
2: It's a little bit different. So, and actually, I'm. you know, I never... Obviously you know what goes into you know wine and mm-hmm. you know that there's you know when as a producer you know that there's an importer you know when there's a distributor but it's actually nice to really see that like to see the numbers and margins yeah. and um, so I think if I ever go back to another side I think I'll have much more appreciation for yeah, this side you know how hard to get an appointment or you know just it's just different different side which i think yeah uh, won't hurt me to, well it's um, it's you know it's like idea. being
1: ambidextrous if you can do both learn another language i mean it's always mm-hmm. things these kinds of ex- expanded skills i mean it that makes you better and it makes you smarter and sharper and obviously makes you more marketable right so if you did <laughs> pursue you know a restaurant again which mm-hmm. i'll ask you about that probably in a little <laughs> bit but you you got better weapons, right? You're more equipped than you ever were. Exactly.
2: And this ov- obviously gives me a little bit more. I travel a lot, but I think it's going to slow down once I... And I'm just covering Texas, yeah. so I don't have other the states. Whole, the whole state. The whole state. Amazing. So I have to go to Houston and Dallas, which as well I'm actually enjoying because I never discovered... I never knew Texas. I knew Austin. i yeah. never been to Texas before moving here so it was always like austin was the only place that i knew right and i heard from people this is the only place that i really need to know
1: but then you go to houston you're like oh there's stuff happening here
2: exactly i am so like pleasantly surprised with san antonio amazing amazing spots houston i'm in love with the restaurant scene there there's so many great places that i'm trying uh, the diversity of food, I think, is so much better Absolutely. in Houston than it is in Austin. You know, you don't, you know, we don't have Greek food, we don't have Lebanese food, no, we don't have right. Turkish food, we don't have, you know, it's not. We
1: will now that people are listening. Like, oh, you know, what we should do. We should do Lebanese food.
2: <laughs> you know, that I, you know, I miss. I mean, we didn't have. So we re- were remodeling the house, so we didn't have kitchen for seven months. Oh man, six months. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was so so painful. So I can really speak from my experience because me and my husband we try to find, you know, affordable like ethnic foods yeah, because yeah. we love Asian, we love different flavors, and obviously not having kitchen, we could not go to the, you know, and splurge it's, every time right, like right. fancy service and you know, I, I mean Austin is not fancy, but every time you go out it's still expensive it's still expensive yeah so, i mean even
1: a bowl of ramen is good adds up even unless you above. go to
2: like try to find those places in yeah. chinatown and, yeah, like, yeah i think like we tried every foe possible that's down. amazing but you know i was craving always for something different yeah. and you know it's hard to find something different we're still ethnic. young
1: you know we, we we're we still a young city and a lot of people that have lived here for a long amount mm-hmm. of times it's really transformed and that's a good thing it's if you think about the opportunities that it's given us, both Austin growing, even if it doesn't have Lebanese food yet, the cocktail industry, the wine industry, the conversation is so much more exp- expanse- expansive than mm-hmm. it was, right? And do you feel like coming into this role, people knew you, they had some famili- familiarity with your work, and that the doors were open for you? Because I think you had established a name for yourself already, Yeah.
2: I hope so. I mean, obviously I moved to Austin not knowing anyone. So, you know, I mean, no one knew who my chef was or who I was. So I felt like we, I felt very well, you know, people were very open and um, very kind, I think, you know, with all the attention that we got and all the support that we got, I think we were very blessed. Obviously it was a beautiful building, but I think you know, the wine list maybe was a little bit too much yeah. for Austin. But I still think I had amazing clientele that would come in and really appreciate all the burgundies and all the older all the vintages that we had. Yeah, I have. We had regulars, I think, from day one. You know, had the customers that came in the first day and I think they were there the last day.
1: That's amazing. It's yeah.
2: um. But again, it's, you know, that type of a restaurant, it's not something that would, you know, it's not turn and burn. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard to make money. Uh, we're not, yeah,
1: we're not there yet in Austin. I don't think, and I don't know if it's that we're ahead of it, behind it or what. I'm not exactly sure. But those kinds of concepts, I'm still wanting, I want it, people to, the, the society to grow into it. And Austin
2: is young and growing, so it is um, very trendy. Yeah. So people are very hungry, like what's next, what's new. So they go to what's next, what's new, and then there's next and new, and they forget that old one. (sighs) There's not that much, um, there's not that many institutional places. This few actually, you know, which amazing, you know, and you admire, and you know that they have this like really uh, core group of people that been patronizing their place from day one, but there's not that much you know, culture yet
1: right.
2: that would have those establishments. Like Houston and Dallas are so much older, so you go to the places that's
1: been there's since the the like 50s. exactly yeah.
2: 40, 50 years old. It's amazing. You know, Austin doesn't. It's very, very trendy. Yeah. Um, we
1: you know, we will. And we've still got still mm-hmm. got Kirby Lane and Magnolia and mm-hmm. stuff and those places have been around and they will continue to be staples. But I I'm interested to see how the fine dining genre kind of expands and transforms in Austin. Every city
2: needs choices. I think people need choices. You want to have choices. So you would wish like it would be establishments that you can really, you know, want to go and celebrate. You want to dress up. You know, still like not fancy, but yeah. yeah. I mean, La Vie, I feel like it was not super fancy, but it was perceived as fancy. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't have tablecloths. I mean, we're still on the east side. And I think maybe that was as well kind of maybe not very clear message yeah. um, because we had people coming in from west side, you know, to yeah, the east right. side. Um, so a lot of things, but I would say it was not not successful. It's just maybe, you know, again, not successful enough to yeah. stay. Like okay. ahead of its time, maybe, mm-hmm. even,
1: depending. Well, so it's obviously makes a lot of sense to come into wine again and working for the whole state, which is a massive mm-hmm. portfolio yeah. from the stuff I understand that Domain Select has. You've got Suze, is that correct? Mm-hmm. You've got the Diplomatic the Diplomatico rum mm-hmm. and this fine bottle of wine that you've picked. And I'm going to be the first to admit, I know about wine, but not that much. So well, tell me about this. It's been lovely sipping. It's really delicious.
2: It's really delicious. It's COS. Um, it's actually like the letters, C-O-S, uh, uh-huh. stand for um, first letters of last names of oh, okay. uh, people that found it. They are in Charasola di Vittoria, which is the only DOCG of Sicily, like the oh, okay. southern tip of Sicily. They are definitely a pioneers that I think put Sicily on a map. Really? And How long has it been
1: around there?
2: I think they've been established since like 80s, in 1980, oh, okay. and, um, and their winery, if you visit, it's, uh, it's pretty much like going back again 100 years oh, in, uh, in winemaking. Um, they still use amphora, they bury it the ground. I mean, not for every bottling that yeah, they yeah. use amphora, but they use clay amphoras, and uh, it's very, you know, very natural. Um, super, super cool. So, I can see
1: why you're drawn to that, as we <laughs> talked about the case just a few minutes ago. I mean, very yeah. similar kind of thing. Remote harkens back to old traditional methods of production. Yes, yeah, so
2: it's a super special wine. And um, so this, the one we we're drinking is Cerestuolo de Vittoria, but again... It's a, the only DOCG, so it's always by law. Yeah. Cherasuolo de Vittoria always going to be 60% Neurodiavola and 40% Frappato.
1: Interesting. So, so it, always that ratio?
2: Always that ratio. And then, uh, so Frappato, I think it's definitely kind of considered to be a Pinot Noir of the South. Okay. It's a little bit more linear, a little bit more spicy, a really good acidity. Neurodiavola can have a little bit more a uh, plumier fruit oh, character. Yeah, okay. So I think combination of both is amazing because you still have a good fruit up Kind of like that a little bit that maybe like that baked strawberry and kind of plum, plum mm-hmm. skin, and a really nice start uh, finish. It's very... Uh, that you get it, from Frappato.
1: So much depth to it, which I mm-hmm. really like. I mean, because it keeps going. You know, I, I try to... I don't always like tasting notes, but I like thinking about how it makes me feel. <laughs> that's <laughs> good.
0: It's, that's it's, how
2: wine. What's that wine should Right, do.
1: warms. Mm-hmm. It, it's warming, but yet yeah, it's very, very easy and accessible, but not too accessible. It's someone that gives you a little bit of information, but they want you to ask them more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just gives a, it just makes a you little, think.
2: It's like, oh, huh, yeah, what is it? It like kind of drinks like Pinot, but it doesn't taste like Pinot. What is yeah, it? Yeah, it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing that oh, yes, and good.
1: using your expertise. By all means, if you you know if there are ever bottles that you think that I should get, I would I would love to keep trying this and get more familiar with wine in general.
2: That's what you know. You just need to keep trying different things. So much
1: to try. <laughs> I think
2: a lot of people sometimes are might be intimidated by the sommeliers, or mm. but that's how you learn. It's just by asking questions, yeah. trying something new and different, and you don't like it, you know. So you know not to get that next time, and then try to try to think why you don't like it.
1: Exactly. And then, yeah.
2: you know, and just, you know, next time, try to explain it. I didn't like it because it was, you know, just was maybe a bit of finish or it was, you know, too lush or, mm. you know. Uh, I know that verbiage sometimes is difficult for people it's, it's to so describe many the wine. But um, and I feel
1: that's where people get, the, they get overwhelmed and like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to make an idiot out of myself. Because everybody's afraid of making an idiot out of themselves, besides myself. But they just don't want to say the wrong thing. But that's the that's the great thing about wine. It's the great thing about spirits. There is no wrong
2: thing. There's no wrong ever. thing. And then when you talk to someone, I mean, we can always, you know, say like, well, this is not exactly correct. You know, we can, you know, say like, okay, no, no this is not, or this is, you know, and you learn that way. And yeah. it's not like being condescending or sure, anything sure. like that. But that's how you learn, by mistakes.
1: Yeah, a lot, I mean, of, I,
2: those.
0: I lot
1: mean, of mistakes.
2: I mean, I started like not knowing anything about wine. Every, yeah. every All of us started... Not knowing anything. Yeah, we had, about we had to start but somewhere, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Did
2: not know anything. And obviously I encountered people that would look at you like, oh, really? Oh, man. Like you don't know that. And I remember those moments. They're really, you know, embarrassing and and I don't wanna ever anyone feel that way. So that's
1: the new wave of Psalms that, that I've met are really about inclusion. Right? Including people that maybe don't have the same I mean, who has the same experience in this room that you do with wine? Nobody, right? So <laughs> you have lots of knowledge, lots of experience with it. And so, this recent wave and the way to change the way people feel about the stuffiness of Psalms sometimes and wine is to just be open. And be like, we're going to sip this together. I'm not going to make you feel like an idiot. And we're going to both learn together. Like you said, you know, you can correct without having to be a dick about it.
0: Exactly. And it's.
1: You, do you think that there is a, an air of arrogance in that wine realm, like a very kind of exclusive club, or?
2: Of course, sometimes. Which sometimes I don't understand why, yeah. because everyone can have an opinion. Sure. You know, I mean. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean yeah. it's right. It doesn't. It, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's, yeah. it's your taste buds. It's your opinion. Um, you don't need to convince you know me or you or anyone that that's. The right way, yeah, I mean certain things are of course sure. you know facts that you know but that's if, different you know but that's yeah. very very different um, you know, if you like Bordeaux and I don't, um, you know, and it's again, it's an ignorant thing to say, like I don't like red wine or I don't like white wine mm-hmm.
1: um, there's always one there's always yeah. exactly,
2: so you just need to be always open-minded um, and more specific, of course, and um, you know, when it comes to wine, I think you know it's very hard to make this bold statement unless you really tasted everything and compared. Which is impossible. Which is impossible, you know. So, um, and then, I don't know, like there should be no fight with opinions. Everyone can have their own. And again, but you don't need to convince someone else with your opinion. But
1: it's, you know, sometimes the loudest people that are the most vocal about their opinions are really just trying to convince themselves they believe it. They're just trying to. If, you, if I say this enough, I'll start to believe it, right? And it's very interesting with one. Yeah. So, f- from an education perspective, are you going to take take this um, classification or your certification to the next level?
2: Yes, I've been trying. Yeah. It's been very hard. I mean, of course, everyone's you know has a life, yeah, and there's always an excuse. But um, but I need to pass my theory um, first. Mm-hmm. And it's been very hard. I, oh, I bet it's just obviously opening La Vie, and um, so. But yes, um, the answer is yes. I'm gonna keep trying. What's well, good Hopefully because it's till a... I'm gonna pass it, unless I'm really gonna get very very discouraged. But you'll
1: no, do it. I'm my sure passion, you will. Yeah, so. you don't give up on something you love. It's just not how it goes.
2: Well, it's, it's something that I love, of course, but not necessarily you need uh, to take an exam to, to love it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, it's for me, it's more like right now this kind of personal challenge than anything else. Yeah. It's something that I started and obviously put a lot of time and effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to try, and you know, and a lot of people give up, of course, taking it because it's many, many times taken it already, yeah. taken it three times, and I haven't passed my theory. So it's discouraging, of course. Sure. But, you know, to exam um, respect and everything, I um, and to be truthful to myself, I was not 100% prepared.
1: (laughs) Well, we date a lot of people and there's only one right one, right? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) So you have to go through the motions, learn some Mm -hmm. things, make some mistakes, going back to that. So I know it'll happen. It's just a matter of time, yeah?
2: I hope so. I hope so. But I'm definitely going to try, you know, the next year and... You know, we'll see how it goes.
1: I think it'll be good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, <laughs> to to reading the big news. No expectation. I'm not trying to set any uh, expectations from, from anybody. But, well, I guess then the last thing I want to touch on is you've really approached this business from many different facets. You've been in many different places around the world. And for you, and this, this is kind of and kind of not where do you see yourself kind of question, but do you want to own a place? Do you want your own place? Do you want that kind of responsibility and involvement?
2: Um, thinking a lot about it, of course, I, I think so. Um, when and how, I don't know. Sure. Well, that but can
1: happen later. We'll you figure that out. Yeah,
2: but yes, I think so. We talked a lot you know, to my husband just seeing ourselves, like my long-term vision that I see. I, I really would love us to own something together, of course, because oh, yeah. I really would love to have a freedom eventually and, you know, maybe a freedom to live in Mexico a little bit yeah. and, you know, live here. And I think the only way to achieve that is obviously owning something, you know, um, your own business right. that would allow you to do that.
1: You're the boss. You can do what you want, right?
2: <laughs> well, you know, of course you have to build it. And, sure. you know. But once you, you know, build it, maybe, you know, there's an opportunity to build the same in Mexico. Or like I don't know, but just there are more ways than you... You know, own it—something, yeah. an idea—and maybe it's a restaurant, maybe it's something else. But like, really owning—something. Something, something yeah. that would give us an opportunity to, you know, to, you know, kind of have um, maybe two home bases yeah. eventually. Yeah. I love Mexico very much, and I really, I, you know, I told my husband that one day I really definitely want to live—not always, but partially in Mexico.
1: I mean, it'd be a good gig. Mm-hmm. Live in Mexico some. Live in the States mm-hmm. some.
2: But the only way to do it is, of course, you know, having, you know, your own. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, so we talk about it, of course. That's I definitely brilliant. would want to do that. But when and how, um, obviously it takes the right partnerships and there's a lot of money that goes into it. Oh, yeah. um, there's a lot of prep or it's all about, like, the right location. I mean, the right people involved. And I think I learned a lot through this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what's next.
1: Mm-hmm. i think it's exciting and i think that i hope you stick around in austin and <laughs> keep building what I, I feel is a really positive energy in the place people your your reputation as a wonderful person and personality precedes you i mean that's a great thing you, you know you. i mean and i just because i'm just a dude but like people talking about how lovely it is to work with you and everything i mean you're not through yet you got a lot left to do and i i'm excited to see what happens thank you oh yeah.
2: yes, yes oh, yes i have still a lot of energy oh so good <laughs>
1: just take the energy and just you know that's it i it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a g- great ride and I'm, I'm glad you're in austin and thank you so much for chatting with me and thank you for sharing this wonderful wine of course and brilliant spending time with you and I'm just kind of learning about your story velma thank you so much
2: absolutely thank you so much for having me you're welcome <laughs>
1: Well, there we have it. What do you guys think? Vilma is well-traveled, very intelligent, adaptive, has done well in Las Vegas, has done well in Aspen, has done well in New York. All these wonderful relationships that she's built and it's letter to love, which is this nice core to this whole story and a thread that brings it all together. So what will Vilma do after domain select? What will Vilma do after La Vie has shuttered? I don't know, but it's going to be interesting and I suspect her love of Mexico will have something to do with it. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter which Adam Sandler movie you're thinking about watching next, which might be funny people, or if you're really going to check out that break-even bottle program at the Townsend tonight, please keep dancing.